Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. I'm super excited about this morning and I'll tell you why. Because as I was preparing, um, as Liz mentioned earlier, Kaz and uh, seven others, we had a team of eight over in Kenya for the last couple of weeks. Um, And you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. They're still a little bit bleary-eyed after the flight back yesterday, so you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But um, life's not the same when when Kaz is not around. Because often I'll be sharing, as God's dropping in things, I'll be sharing ideas of what I feel like God's laying on my heart to share in terms of messages and things. So I've really had to press into God and then and then at the same time come back and do that reflection in a different way. And it's interesting how um, you miss that other voice, but at the same time, God sends to, tends to stir things up a little bit. So I'm going to talk this morning about the importance of, we're doing a series called Experiencing God. I'm going to talk about the importance of having a major adjustment. Who's ever been to the chiropractor? Or, or even a masseuse? Yep, some, some have been to, to a medial massage or some have gone, no, 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 I just, those normal easy massages are good. But, you know, often you'll go and you'll have an adjustment of some sort or another and then you come back and sometimes straight away it's like, oh, wow, that's better. And sometimes it takes a while. Well, I'm going to talk about major adjustments that when we make with God, his promises, things change. Now, have you ever noticed in life that there are things that always need adjusting? You know, like a guitar. You know, if I just kept playing that car, guitar, it would be terrible sounding. Let me put it another way. If Steve kept playing that guitar and never just kept playing it day, week, month, year, it would sound worse and worse because you've got to keep tuning it. You've got to keep adjusting it to make sure that you're hearing the sound that it was made for. Or a car. You've got to adjust or service a car regularly because if you don't and you just keep driving it, or you don't keep checking the wheels and adjust by putting air in the tyres, then the car will get worse. It won't run as well as it should. It needs that regular service or that regular adjustment that needs to happen over and over again. There's a, a few couples, but there's one young couple that I know here today that next month are getting married. And they will learn as... Uh, welcome, Daniel McKayla. They will learn that at the moment they're living two individual lives. And they will learn when they get married. If they don't make some adjustments... Come on, those have been married a few, a few years. <laughs> then I needs to become we. I, I can't keep doing life as I anymore. It's a we thing. There's adjustments. And those of you who've been married for a while know that doesn't just happen once on your wedding day. We need to continue to adjust in healthy relationships. Parents, we need to adjust the way we parent. You know, when, when our children are little, it's kind of yes, no. Don't do that. Do that. This is what you have to do. This is what I want you to do. How many know as as they become teenagers, that's a little bit tougher. Conversations become different. And now I've got adult children. And so now it's not so much me telling them what I think, which is really hard. It's waiting to be asked. Or maybe it's asking a question. So I parent differently. I adjust my parenting because of the situations and the circumstances. And many of you with adult children know exactly what I mean. For some of us, 
It's our belt buckle that needs adjusting regularly. No hands, guys. But <laughs> you got... Rachel's got an excuse. Rachel's pregnant. So Rachel does, need, does have an excuse. But, you know, for some, sometimes that needs regularly adjusting. But the one that I love the most, and the one I want you to keep in the forefront of your mind as we, as we unpack the scriptures around this, is a sailor who, who, who sailed before, who enjoys sailing, has been out in a sailboat before once or twice, some of us. Well, let me, many of you haven't, so let me explain it to you. When you go out in a sailboat, one of my, my best mates in Melbourne um, has taken me sailing many times, and he's taught me a bit about it. And I used to think, you know, you put the sails up, off you go, you've got your little... Well, he doesn't use a rudder like this. So he's got a quite a far more expensive boat than that. But I felt like, you know, once the sails are up, off you go. But he said, no, no, no. He said, you've got to continue to adjust the sail to make sure that the wind is in the right place to take you where you need to go. And the adjustment happens all the time. So while he's talking and he's skippering the boat, he's, you know, engaging in conversation, but he's always aware of what's happening with the sail and he's always aware of what's happening with the wind so that he can adjust the sail Continually. How many know that that is a beautiful picture of how God wants our lives to be? You see, adjustments in life are necessary. And the same is true when we seek to walk with God and we seek to experience God. That God wants us to be continually with him, allowing his wind to be in the sails. And we set our sails appropriately. And sometimes in our lives, we need to keep adjusting as he shows us things about our lives. Our lives need to be lives that we keep adjusting towards him. See, walking with God is not setting and forgetting. It's not, well, I made a decision for Jesus in my, in my mid-80s, and so God's with me and it's all good. Well, yes, God is with you. But he's saying, and Murray, I want to walk with you every day of your life and I want to continue to take you on the journey of life. And I want you to be adjusting with me and I want to be the wind and you set the sails. And I'm going to be blowing the wind of life in your life, but you need to keep adjusting your sails so that we go where I want you to go and you achieve what I want you to achieve. What I love about this is when you look at the Scriptures, have you noticed that every time God spoke to people in the Scriptures about something he wanted to do, about a major adjustment in their lives. And when they did adjust their lives, things happened. Things happened. Once adjustments were made, God accomplishes so much of his purposes through people. The role that we have is to adjust and posture ourselves to be sitting where God wants us to be, that we can be ready to respond to him in every situation, in every circumstance. And sadly, I think many of us as Christians, you know, we, we go by the title of Christian. We've got a relationship with God. I'm not doubting that. But we're not walking with him the way he wants us to walk with him because we've stopped adjusting our sail. We've said it and forget it. This morning, I guess what I want to do is open your eyes, open your heart, open your spirit up to what God might be saying to you about certain areas in your life, just as he has to me this week, about what it would look like for me to continue to adjust. See, if you choose to make adjustments, you'll begin to see and hear and experience God in new and fresh ways. That's his promise to you, not mine. But if you refuse to make the adjustments, you're going to miss exactly what God has in store for you. You'll miss it. See, when we come to believe in God, we demonstrate our faith, not just by what we know, we demonstrate our faith by what we do. We say, God, I give you my life. And then the rest of our life is following through with that promise. 
It's an action. There is a response that's required. And that response is obedience. See, your faith will most clearly be defined and demonstrated by your actions. Let me say that again. Your faith, my faith, will be most clearly defined not by what I believe, but how I live those beliefs out. Not sure that you'll believe it yet. We'll get there. You know, when God speaks to us, it's an invitation to adjust our life to him. Put another way, God's revelation, God's speaking, God's revelation is your invitation to adjust your life to him. But we have a choice. God can prompt us. He can lead us. He can, prompt, he can speak into our lives. He can show us things. He can give us opportunities. But what we do with that has a huge impact on where our faith level is at. Do I trust you, God, with this or not? So you cannot continue your life as it is, as usual. You can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You can't. I say this many times. I'm going to say it again. God loves you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. He knows you intimately. He knows the conversations you've had this week that you know he wouldn't be happy with. He knows the decisions you've made this week, some of which he may not be happy with. But he still loves you just the way you are. He just loves you too much to let you stay that way. And that requires us to adjust. Look at some of the people in the scriptures that we're aware of. Whether you've been kicking around church for a while or whether you're new to, 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 uh, to church, new to God, just checking things out, you're dipping your toe in the water of faith, you will have heard of some of these people. Let me, let me explain to you a little bit about their examples of how they've adjusted. Noah. You know Noah who built the ark? See, Noah couldn't continue life as usual when, when God said, I want you to build a boat. A what? A boat. What do you have boats for? Because there was no water around at the time. Around him. He said, I want you to build a boat. He couldn't continue life as he was. He had to build an ark. And then see what God did through, did through his obedience. Abram couldn't stay in Ur or Haran and become the father of a nation that God wanted him to be. He had to leave where he was and go to where God wanted him to be and to live the way God wanted him to live to be the father of nations. Moses couldn't stay in a desert herding sheep and then stand, and stand before Pharaoh and be God's mouthpiece. David, shepherd boy David, had to leave his sheep to become a king. It wasn't like, keep doing what you're doing, I'll just make you a king. He said, no, 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 follow me, be obedient to me. Ruth had to leave her homeland to support Naomi, her mother-in-law. You're getting these, these are major adjustments some of these people have to make. Peter and Andrew and James and John didn't just come away from fishing for a little while with the idea of coming back, although they did go back for a, little, for, for a short period of time until Jesus said, what are you doing? But they left and had to leave the fishing business to follow Jesus. He said, come follow me and leave what you had. Adjust your life. Make a major adjustment. Come follow me. And then, of course, the big one was Saul, whose name even changed to Paul. God you know, changed his name to Paul because his adjustment was so big, his whole lifestyle changed where his life's direction changed, where he went from persecuting Christians to stop it. Now I want you to lead people to the one true God. I want you to lead people to Jesus. And his whole life was adjusted and changed. He's, these people made major adjustments. Some had to change their current circumstances. Others had to renounce their prejudices and change their viewpoints. Others had to abandon their own ideas and their own desires 
and adjust that way of thinking to God's way of thinking. Others have to yield everything to God. Say, God, it's all yours. I just choose to follow you. And the moment they made these necessary changes, God began to accomplish his purposes through their life. Each learnt that adjusting their life to God is always well worth the cost. And it's the same to us today. Every time we choose God over our current situation, every time we choose Jesus over what we want, there's incredible blessing. But we have a choice. And this morning, our two core scriptures are going to show you two examples of one where that choice was made to give up everything and adjust to make major adjustments in his life and another one that wasn't prepared to. So the first one we're going to look at in terms of the response of God's call to adjust their lives is 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read from verse 19. But the context here is God has instructed Elijah, who is God's prophet, to go to the wilderness of Damascus and to anoint Elisha to replace him as God's prophet. Elijah's getting older. God whispers a whisper to him and says, I want you to go and anoint Elisha as the new prophet of me, my prophet, God says. And that's the context as we read. So Elijah went, love it. Elijah wasn't, yeah, but what about me, God? What about me? What, 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 what happens in my life? Is it, this is what I want you to do. Okay, God. God spoke, Elijah went. Verse 19, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shapheth, plowing the field. There were 12 oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Right at the back, just one of the people plowing. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go, kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I'll go with you. So what was happening there, and I'm going to explain in a little bit more detail just so you understand as we're reading it. When Elijah places his cloak over Elisha, what he's actually doing is he's placing the mantle of God that God had placed over him as a prophet and he placed it over Elisha and Elisha knew what he was doing. He was saying, I am giving you this mantle, I'm placing this over your life now. So he says, let me go and kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah replies, go on, go on back, but think about what I've just done for you. When you go, just think about what's just happened now. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. And he used the wood from the plough to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Elijah comes out of nowhere, finds this obscure guy, the back of the twelve, plowing, and he says, God's anointing is on you. And he had a choice to make. Elisha had a choice to make. And he made a major adjustment. And he went and he followed. Second example. This one's out of the New Testament. It's out of Luke chapter 18, verse 18. And, and it reads, Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what, what do you, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honour your father and mother. And the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. He started to get a bit excited. This is awesome. 
When Jesus heard his answer, he said to him, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. You could imagine in that moment there would have been silence like there is here right now. But when the, men, when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. See, the rich ruler desired eternal life. He desired all that God had for him. But he didn't want to make the necessary adjustments that Jesus wanted him to make. He wanted God in his life. He wanted to be led by God. He wanted eternal life. But then he looked at his life and said, but I'm not sure that I want to give this part up. I don't want to make this sort of adjustment. He considered his money and his wealth and his power more important. And Jesus knew. He knew that that was what had him. He knew that that was what, he, what was his, his current small g God. That everything was driven because of his finance and his wealth and his power. And Jesus knew that people can't love God completely and love their money and their wealth the same way. Matthew 6.24 says this about, about the love of money. Not Money's okay and having money's okay. Get me with this. Power of money is okay. It's when you love it to the point where you're loving it like you love God. See, no one can serve two masters, Jesus said, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. Jesus asked this ruler to adjust his attitudes, to adjust his priorities and put away what, what had become his God, which was wealth. And the young ruler refused to change his priorities and he went away sad. And I believe if that story continued, that would be... The, 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 the story of his life, lack of fulfillment, sadness, because no matter what he gained, no matter what he earned, no matter how much power he got, no matter how much wealth, there would have been unfulfillment because he wasn't living the life that Jesus wanted him to live completely because he was caught up. Let's go back to the first illustration. Let's go back to Elisha. I love this. Elisha responds differently. He was called to leave his family. He was called to leave his career to follow God's call for him. Man, what a major adjustment. What's his response? He goes straight home, kills the cow, burns the plough, has a big barbecue, celebrates, oh my goodness, celebrates not knowing where the income's coming from, basically gets rid of his career, leaves his family. What's he saying? I'm following you. Because God's called me to follow you. And there's no turning back. And there's no plan B. You see, when he made the adjustments, he was positioning himself to obey God completely. Not on his terms. I'll obey you, but as long as, as, long as I can still go after wealth and, 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 and power, and I'll, I'll do those things, but, oh, hang on, that's too tough. No, no, no. He said, now he wasn't perfect, but he was prepared to abandon everything to follow God. When he made the adjustments, he was positioning himself to obey God. And as a result, God worked through Elisha to perform some of the greatest signs and the greatest wonders that were recorded in the Old Testament. Why? The heart that was prepared to adjust. A heart that said, not my will, but your will, God. God wants to say to us this morning, what would it look like for us to look at what's got us and give it to him? 
to know what's got us and give it to him. And God will show you. If there's stuff in your life stopping you achieving all God wants you to do, he'll show you if you ask him. God, what is it you want me to adjust today? Because like the sail in the wind, there's little adjustments and there's bigger adjustments that need to be made if we're prepared to be aware of God in our lives and we adjust. See, Elisha had to decide first, then act by making changes, and then God used him because his heart was right. Yet our prayer is kind of, God, speak to me. But don't speak to me about that stuff. Don't change. God, I want to follow you, but I don't want to let this go. We mightn't say it, but that's, that's there. Can you imagine what God would do? Because God, God, he doesn't play games with us. He doesn't, God has a better intention for your life than you have. Get this. God's idea for your life is far better than you could even hope. Liz mentioned it before. Far greater than you can hope or imagine is what God says about your life if you're prepared to lay it down and follow him. God speak, but... Murray, get up in the morning. Spend some time with me. Yeah, but God, I really like those morning sleep-ins. Murray, I want you to get up a bit earlier. I want you just you and me. Before the craziness of the day starts. That's not you, honey. <laughs> Before the, what would it look like, Murray, if you just get up and be with me? And I can give him all the reasons why. Late night last night, big meeting tonight. Get up and spend some time with me. Murray. What would it look like? Get out of your comfort zone and be with me. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, walk the narrow road with me. He says, my ways are not your ways, Murray, but watch. Maybe this morning he's saying to you, as you ask, God, speak to me. And he whispers, read my word regularly. Read my word regularly and watch how I speak to you. Adjust your life where this becomes not just an occasional thing, but the way you live your life. God, speak to me. Adjust your life and read my word regularly. Yeah, but I haven't got time. Make time. God, provide for me. God, provide for me. God says, show me that you trust me with your finances. Adjust your life. God, I need, show me that you trust me. You want me to bring? Absolutely. Show me you trust me. See, the Scriptures continually talk about us, God testing us. We should not test the Lord our God except in finances, which is interesting. But he says continually, he says, I'm going I'm to keep giving opportunities for you to grow. Provide for me. Show me I can trust you with the finances. God, bless me. I want to bless you, Murray. Come follow me. Adjust your life where your life is one where you're following me. My leading, my guiding, my directing. What does that look like? Luke chapter 14 and verse 33 says, In the same way, concluded Jesus, none of you can be my disciples unless you give up everything you have. What, what, what does Jesus mean there? Does he mean that right now you've all got to go home and sell everything? What he's saying is what's got your heart? He says, give up everything, as in give it all to me. Allow me to work out where the priorities and allow you to know where the priorities are, but put them in my hands, not your hands, Murray. When he says, give everything to me, he's saying, put them in my hands and I might use them and trust me. We have to do, we've, we have to do this with the church continually. And we've been pastoring for, for 25 years and God, it's not my church, it's your church. God, it's your church. Do something and I'm holding it and there's white knuckles because I'm trying to do things. And God says, it's my church, Murray? Really? And I've had to learn over the time and I've got to keep adjusting to say, God, have your way. Have your way. This is your bride. 
No, mine. I just get to partner with you in, in a small role like we all do. But I've had to learn to let it go. But Murray, I don't know what, God's, what God wants of me. Why does he want me to make major adjustments? Because, you know, I'm too old for this. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Have you heard that one? That's the lie of the devil. If it ever comes out of your mouth, stop it, because that's not true. You can if you're prepared to learn. If you're prepared to learn, no matter how young, no matter how old, God, if we have an attitude of God, adjust my thinking, God, adjust my ways, the God of the universe can teach an old dog new tricks. If I'm prepared to put my life in his hands, it's just who I am, Murray. That's part of my life, that, that way that I speak, that curt nature that I have with I speak, the way that I occasionally swear. It's just who I am. No, it's not. Or if it is today, it's not who God wants you to be tomorrow. Adjust to him. It's how God made me. It's my personality. Doesn't God love me like this? Yep. But he doesn't like your behavior. I don't know what that is for you. And this is not about condemning, it's about bringing truth so that once we, can, we bring truth, we can look at the wind look and adjust our sails to go, God, bring it. Whatever that looks like, bring it. I just get angry real quick, it's just the way I am. Maybe it's not the way God wants you to be. Maybe the adjustment, God wants to bring life into that area. We miss what God has for us because we're not prepared to adjust and we're not prepared to change. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he were rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by this poverty he could make you rich. What does that mean? Adjustments even happen with Jesus. Jesus is in heaven, sitting on the right hand of the Father, having a great old conversation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, chatting away. And I don't know how it actually worked, but somehow we're along the line. God says to Jesus, they're messing up. They're messing up on earth. They need a saviour. It's you. I want you to leave the riches of heaven. I want you to go to earth and become 100% man. 100% deity too, 100% God, but 100% man. I want you to feel the pain that they feel. Would you live the life that they... He gave up everything. He adjusted more than anyone has ever adjusted, Jesus, to walk the earth for you and for me. That's a major adjustment. English missionary C.T. Studd said this, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to give up for him. Jesus leaves heaven to come to earth for you, that you might know him, that you might know God and you might give your life to him. If you're a follower of Jesus, we don't have a choice. We've got to leave where we are, those things in our life, adjust to follow him. So what's Jesus asking you to leave this morning? As I tie this all in, maybe it's an unhealthy friendship. There's a friendship that you've got and it's unhealthy and you know it's unhealthy. And God's saying, come on, you need to adjust that area of your life. That person is not speaking life over you. That person is, is impacting your life in a negative way and he's prompting you and he's been prompting for a while. You've got to step back from that relationship. And that's the adjustment for you. Or maybe it's an attitude. Maybe you've got an attitude about a certain person or a situation or a circumstance and God says to you, it's not them, it's your attitude. 
what would, it you, what would it look like for you to adjust that attitude to be more Christ-like in that situation? Or a mindset? Or maybe the way you are at work as compared to the way you are in your, in your friends at church. And God shows you. He mirrors you, the two people. I'm like, come on, I want you to be the same. I want you to be the same. Who you are with your friends and your Christian friends and who you are at work, I want you to be the same. I want you to speak the same. To get rid of that language that you use. That heart that you have, the way that you gossip. There's an adjustment I want you. And watch what I do when you do that, when you're prepared to make that adjustment. Because he doesn't say from a distance, here's what I want you to change. He's right here with you going, come on, let's do this together. Let's do this together. I want to help you in this. It's not, God, I'm going to do this for you and you better. No, no, I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'm helping you with your language. I'm helping you with the way you talk. I'm helping you the way you think. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. If you've accepted Jesus, he says, I'm there for you. I love you. We'll do this together. Maybe it's the way you deal with finance. God this morning is saying, you know what? There's a godly way. There's the way you've been doing it, and there's a godly way. What would it look like to adjust in that area? And maybe there's, there's a sin. There's something that you just know, the stuff you're looking at, and you know. As I'm talking about this, God's already showing you what it is. Stuff you're looking at, stuff you're thinking, stuff you do. Maybe it's drinking too much, whatever it might be for you. God, God's showing you. He's laying it on your heart. And he's saying, will you give that to me? Will you adjust that part of your life? I'm with you. I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. We'll do this together. We'll do it together. Watch what I can do in you and through you when you just adjust your life towards me, when you posture your life towards me, fully surrendered. Isaiah 55 and verse 9 in the Amplified Version says, For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways, God says, are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And if I think about it, yeah, sure, I'd love things to go the way I want them to. But who else would I want to put my life's hands in than the creator of the universe? The one, like I said about Caleb and Mackenzie this morning, the one who knew before they were even born and said, now is the time for them to come into this world. Same for you. Now is the time for you to walk this earth. And I've got a plan and a purpose. And if you keep setting your sail to me and the wind of my wind in your life, watch what I do. But will you be prepared to surrender? cannot imagine what God is able to accomplish through one solitary life that's wholly yielded and adjusted and obedient to him. Here's a quote that wasn't written in the Bible. When I did some homework on this, it was actually written on the pages of the Bible by a man by the name of Bob Pierce, who was an evangelist with Youth for Christ. And in 1947... Here's a man whose heart broke when he encountered the suffering and the hunger and the poverty of orphans in Asia. And he scribbled on the side of his page and he said this. He says, let my heart be broken for the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken for the things that break the heart of God. What would it look like for you to allow God to break your heart and then for you to respond? the Gospels, Jesus says to the crowd, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you've just got to give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And then as he goes on, he talks about, watch what I can do 
through faithful followers of Jesus. But it's about action. It's, about, it's not about knowing. It's not about seeing. It's about doing. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says, A meal may look good and be well recommended by the cook, but we don't know its real quality until we've tasted it. What does that mean? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He's got good plans. He's got good purposes for this church and for you and for me. And all he wants, all he wants is a surrendered life, is surrendered church. And he says, watch what I do. Church, make the adjustment. Make the adjustment. Daily adjust the sails of your life to always be in God's wind. As I close, I want to share a personal story about when we were in Melbourne and we just, we'd been pastoring in a church for 17 years. Amazing church. Uh, we'd grown and developed our own giftings in those areas, in that church. And we saw our whole life being just serving God in that place. And through a lot, lot of circumstances, God started to show us by making us feel uncomfortable that he was moving us on. And we wrestled with that because we loved the church community and we loved the people. And we walked in the doors of the church with our, our eldest daughter as a baby. And, and 17 years later, she just finished her schooling. And it was like God just said, well done, good and faithful servants. And we're like, no. And we said, God, if this is you, you've got to make it really clear. And then he started to do that because we wanted to follow him. We knew what we wanted. We want to stay with our friends and our family. But if this is you, make it really clear. And that was the prayer that we prayed. And as we prayed that prayer, then we just started to feel unsettled together. And then there was a guy come to our church and preach. And at the end of the, end of the message, you know, we're praying. God, and, you know, Kaz and I are praying over, the, over those few weeks. God, will you just make it really clear to us? And God speaks in so many different ways, yeah? But I think he had to make it really clear for us. And we had a guy come and he was running late. So we didn't get a chance to pray for him as a pastoral team. And he preached at the end of his message, he turned to our pastor at the time and said, look, I feel like God wants to speak prophetically. Is that okay? And, and Rick said, yeah, yep, that's fine. Go ahead. And he speaks to, into the life of a woman in the front row and, and, I, and I'm holding Kaz's hand. I'm like, this guy's the real deal. Because sometimes, you know, you want to see the fruit. And he speaks into her life and for those who knew her, it was just so spot on. And I turned to Kaz and said, this guy's the real deal. As soon as I got that out of her mouth, he, and I was sitting about where Lockie's sitting with a hat on. And he went, guy in the striped shirt, he said, your current existence isn't cutting it anymore. He said, I'm calling you on to a new work. It's going to take great sacrifice. But he said, I want, you know, he's speaking on behalf of God. He said, and he said, but I want you to follow me and trust me. Watch what I do through you and through your wife and through your family. It's going to take great risk, but I'm going to bring great reward. Kaz is crying. <laughs> My jaws dropped on the ground. I only heard half of it. People came up, oh, how, how exciting is that? What do you think that means? And we knew exactly what it meant. <laughs> oh, I don't know, not sure. But you know, what was really interesting about that was the hard part was then going and sitting with, with the rest of our team who were just our best friends and our eldership and explaining what God had done and, and working it through. But then we felt like God said, well, if you're going to be moving on to another ministry, it won't be in this area. So we sold our house. Our car was part of our salary package. We finished work, didn't know what was next, sold our house, sold our car, didn't have a job and still hadn't heard from God what was next. And I'm standing at the end of the bed and I said to Kaz, 
I feel totally naked before God, that I have nothing. Why isn't he showing us what's next? But all we knew is that when God said, move and be prepared, be ready for when I speak, we knew what we had to do. We just knew. And it was a hard moment for us. But we had to adjust our hearts. We had to adjust our lives and put him first and go, God, this is what we believe you're wanting us to do. We trust you. And then he shows up and he shows us what's next and calls us to plant a brand new church, which we spent 10 years at, at Liquid Church. And, and, then, and now we're here and, and just loving what God's doing. And I share that with you to say, when I, when I talk about being prepared to adjust your life for God, I don't come from a place of, come on, adjust your life for God. I seek to do that every day. And I don't always get it right. But it's always, God, what are you saying? I want to adjust my sail to your wind to see what you're going to do in my life. I want to follow you. See, God's a gentleman. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 3. It's not on your screen. And it says that God stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He doesn't force the door down. Sometimes I wish God would just force the door down and say, come on, Murray, we're doing this. But he just knocks. Murray, Murray, we need to adjust that area of your life. He stands at the door of our heart and knocks. And if I invite him into that space, he'll come and be with me and he'll lead me and guide me and direct me. This morning, God's knocking at the door of your heart about some stuff. Would you invite him in? Let's pray. Oh, Father, creator of the universe, God of all creation, thank you that you're knocking at the door of our hearts this morning. Thank you that you're calling us to adjust our sails, to be so aligned with you that you can take us on a life trip each day. And so I pray, Father, for everyone in this room whom you're knocking at the door of their heart this morning. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they would have faith as small as a mustard seed to say, yes, God, what is it you want me to do today? What is it you want me to do today? In this moment. In this moment. You know, if that's you, I just want, if this morning you, you re, you're resonating with this whole idea of adjusting, adjusting to God, setting us out towards God, would you just put your hand in your heart? I want you to, I want, we're going to pray, but you're going to pray for you this morning. So if you're resonating with this message and you, yep, God, I, I want to I be that person that continually adjusts my heart to you, that I walk with you. Put your hand in your heart. I'm going to pray over you right now. God, adjust me. Father, I pray for every person who's reaching out to you right now. God, would you come by your spirit? Not the God who's out there, but the God who's right here in the midst of this conversation right now. Would you come and would you lead us? Would you give us the strength and the faith to adjust those things that you're showing us? Help us to walk with you. We love you, Lord, and we want to walk with you in every moment of every day. And you know, if you're here this morning and you've never thought about walking with Jesus, this relationship that you're talking about, Murray, about walking with Jesus, if that's you this morning, and you would love to have that sort of relationship where you hear God's voice whispering and leading and guiding and directing and giving you purpose and giving you direction. Jesus came from heaven to earth and died on a cross for you that you might have a personal relationship with God. And this morning is your morning like many of you in this room have already done. This morning is your morning to say, Jesus, come into my life. And if you've never done that before, 
You've never asked him to lead your life, to be the wind in your sails. Or maybe you have and you've realized you've walked a long way away. It's time to come back. I would love to pray for you right now. And in this moment of prayer with everybody's heads bowed, can I pray for you? Would you, would you raise your hand? Who, who is it this morning? I know there are people this morning who are saying, I need to have God's wind in my sails. That's awesome. Man. That's fantastic. I see that hand. That's fantastic. Yep, I see your hand. That's, that's amazing. People who are saying, I want Jesus to blow his wind in my life. I want to accept Jesus. I want to walk with him. Is there anyone else before I pray? Don't miss this moment. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. He's saying, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these people. You know, I'm going to pray a prayer now. And for those of you who've raised your hands, you could pray this prayer with me. Or maybe you could go home and pray it yourself. It's a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer that just says, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for the times where I've ignored you, for the times where I've gone in my direction. I give my life to you. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you direct me? I receive you as my Lord and my Saviour. I thank you that you are the God of all creation, whom now is my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.